Hello, everybody, and how are you doing this fine Wednesday morning? I didn't really want to do that, everybody, but I was told that I'm too quiet at the beginning of the uh, podcast and that by the end of it, I'm making everyone, like, it's peaking in here. So that's why you got that. Mm-hmm. I just told that was great. So I have met the approval of the producer. Heather disagrees. Shocker. She never agrees. But like my kids. I don't know. They never agree with me. I'm telling you, if they let me pick who they're supposed to marry. I told Tommy this. I'm like, Tommy, if you let me run your life, I'm just telling you, it'd be one heck of a great one. Like, it'd be off the charts. He told me absolutely positively not. Oh well, he can have subpar, or he could have what I got. You know, I'm like God, not literally like God, but God always has what's better for us, right? We just don't know it, and that's how my son is. Like, I have so much better for him than when, than he realizes. What? He wants to be. I'm gonna hook him up with a married woman with three children. I tried. Oh dear Lord, I did try and hook. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I don't... We have a really cute girl that attends the church, and she looks like she's like, I don't know, 19 years old. So I kept checking her out, and I'm like, man, she's cute. Like, like she'd be perfect for Tommy. Like, they'd be so cute together. Until I found out she's married and has three children. And she's... Is she in her late 20s or early 30s? late 20s yeah well I wasn't too far off but yeah I'm not into the adultery thing and I don't want to steal a man another man's wife so uh maybe he isn't that maybe he's not that well (laughs) I think he'll be fine without me (laughs) even I even I am convinced at this moment thank you Heather for telling me that I'm not good yeah that's why I have you okay so here we go like okay so um I'm going to update everybody on our dating situation, but first I want to make sure everybody knows. One, I'm trying to answer as many questions as I can in the order they are given. That's not always going to be the case. Sometimes I'm going to put another one in front of another one because it's too long of a, an answer or whatever, but for the most part, I'm trying to answer them in the order they were given. Some people have sent me like a long list, like they have multiple questions on the same page. I'm just going to do the whole entire page, like one right after the other, unless I don't understand the question. And sometimes the way people, you know, put their question out to me, I, I, I read it over and over and over again. And um, I don't have comprehension problems when I read. So I'm figuring like either the person didn't explain it well enough for me to understand uh, or I don't know what. I just don't understand it sometimes. So if you didn't get your question answered um, in, in about two months, then you know that I didn't understand the question, and then you can resubmit it. Otherwise, I'm hitting, I'm, I'm hitting these as fast as I possibly can, but I have, like, I have a stack. I have a lot, which is a great thing. Keep sending them in. Keep sending them in. Keep sending them in. I need them. They don't all have to be spiritual, 
they can be fun. Like somebody wants to know like personal things about me. I will answer them to a degree. And then, I mean, I do draw the line. Um, I'm not like my husband who like shares everything about everything. I don't do that. I like, I like privacy. Believe it or not, I'm more private than he is. Um, so I am not as transparent, which is okay by me. Um, but you'll, I, I will answer questions, but I draw a line to, to what full disclosure is. So let me get to this. Um, so, you know, a couple, couple podcasts ago, we did the dating. We had the dating question, and then Heather said that she would hook people up, which we had some people, you know, send us. We have one so far, one emailed. And um, she's a hot little thing. I will tell you that. She's a really good looking woman. And then we got one of these little, uh, somebody dropped something in the uh, Tide box. And um, she's very interested as well. She, both of these women are looking for a man between 55 and 65. Okay. This one, uh, both of them are outdoorsy. They're sporty. They want somebody who is athletic. They want fun. They want funny. Um, the one uh, that emailed, she had a little bit more of what she's looking for. But um, this one is wanting to do a dating game. I don't think we can do that for you. But that would be fun. Tom will kill me if I do the dating game. I'm just going to tell you. But if you're 55 to 65... I don't know what this person looks like, but I do know what the one that emailed, she sent pictures and she's cute. So uh, if you're a guy between ages 55 and 65, I have two women that might be interested in you. So send those, uh, send your information in. Heather will take care, good care of you guys. Maybe set you up on a blind date. Oh I don't know. She's having a fit over there to my right. But we'll figure it out. I can promise you that. Let's go to our first question. It says, um, if I am not sure if a person is transgender, can I call them what I think they are? And um, my answer to that is yes. If you don't know, it'd be very inappropriate for you to call them by um, the wrong gender just because you based on you thinking they want to be tra transgender. Now I will tell you, it's very, very rare that you don't know what somebody's gender is. I mean, it is, I mean, unless you watch the Saturday Night Live skit with Pat. A lot of people say, what's that? It's Pat. A lot of people ask, who's he or she? Outside of Pat from SNL, I mean, most of the time, you know what sex the individual is. Even if they're pretending to be something and how they're dressed. But normally, there's a dead giveaway on, you know, what sex the person is. And I will tell you, I mean, I've met people like that. It's very rare. 
Um, I will tell you to make sure that the reason you are trying to say you don't know what the person's sex is, I mean, you might literally not know, so you're going to call them by what you think they are. But I will tell you, if, um, if you really in your heart know and you don't want to uh, be confrontational and call them like what you think they are, for example, I'll tell you a story. My kids, um, when they were really little, uh, the staples in town had um, a guy dressed as a girl. And um, so we would go in there. He was a really nice guy, um, very, very sweet, but it was very evident it was a man. Um, even though he had the um, fake breasts um, and he, I mean, it was obvious he was definitely a guy. And, um, so what he wanted us to do is call him by his his name his female name um which i'll call you by that name if that's what you're on your name tag but i'm not going to call say yes ma'am or, or no ma'am to you i'm going to say yes sir or no sir and my children were taught the same thing so we say the the guy's name was stacy we would say stacy but when we were checking out or if he asked a question when we were being um um you know when he was asking us what we were looking for or whatever the answer was always yes sir or no sir or yeah thank you sir or whatever my kids did the same thing and i remember him saying to my daughter uh he corrected and said ma'am and my daughter said sir again to him and she was little but and i don't think she understood what he was trying to do at the time but he looked at me and i just looked at him like you've lost your mind if you think i'm going to correct my child and make her call you ma'am it's not happening um so I was always very nice, always very kind, and treated him with respect as a human being. But I draw the line on calling somebody a woman when it's a man. I'm not going to teach my child to lie and call somebody else by something they are not. If we um, condone that behavior, we're perpetuating sin. And sin, um, when we lie to the person and call them something they're not, we're lying to them, we're lying to ourselves, most importantly we're sinning um and we're lying period so uh but when we teach our children and we indoctrinate them into thinking that it is the appropriate thing it's the respectful thing it's the kind thing to do to someone in, who's jan, transgender and call them by what they are not we are teaching our children to be deceptive and and deceitful and to be liars and it's super important that you don't train up a, a child in the wrong way it says train them up in the way that they should go you can train them correctly or you can train them wrong and you will answer ultimately for god because you're the one that can that you're the one that god has um, entrusted them with so if you don't do what's right for them <clears throat> and discipline is huge but also teaching them uh, these simple little things as well that's huge too because um, you're going to teach them to be honest or you're going to teach them to be liars. And so for me, I think it's cowardice not to stand up to a person and speak correctly to them and tell them the truth, even if it means telling them the truth about themselves and calling them a man when they want to be called a woman. So he didn't, re he didn't like that very much, but we were very kind the whole entire time, every time we, were, we saw him. And he knew that we weren't trying to be nasty because otherwise we'd have been rude to him the whole entire time we were, were around him. He just knew that we weren't going to play that game. So, 
I hope that answers your question. Do not cave to the wokeness of this world. Okay, the best thing you can do is always be honest and true to yourself as well as to the others around you. Next question. I am considering volunteering to be a, a, on a book committee to screen indoctrinating books and, them out of our, and get, get them out of our schools. This would be books on graphic with, that have graphic pictures and include extreme violence, rape, LGBTQ, and the occult. As a Christian who was, who was backslidden for years, but now, but now getting back on fire for God, I worry about putting that evil in my head and heart. None of the content will shock me. I'm not fragile or naive, but I don't want to poison my spirit. It will upset me to know kids are getting influenced by the enemy, but I'm willing to go through that to help kids. I'm willing as long as it's in alignment with God and, his, and I ask him to protect me. Does this sound okay? First thing first, I think it's um, a great thing what you're doing, I think, uh, or that you want to do. Um, I think that uh, a lot of people should be, even if you don't have kids, because this person that wrote this, uh, actually, I shortened the question, they actually, they don't have children in the school system any longer, but they're concerned about their grandchildren, and so I applaud you for that. Um, they're fairly young, it seems like, uh, because I think they said that their chi ch child just graduated, but they're concerned about their grandchildren at, um, when they do have them. Um, what the school system will look like for them. I think that if more Christians um, did this, whether they have children in the system or not, if, if we didn't, you know, a lot of times we're like, well, we're not there anymore, so it doesn't really matter. It's not going to affect me. Oh, it affects you. It affects you because what happens is, is these kids will it ultimately end up growing up and voting, and you will be um, in your 60s, and what, how they believe and what they believe and how they vote will ultimately affect you. So yes, it, I think it's very important for us, whether we have children in the school system or not, to be privy as to what's going on and that we have a say in it and that we're voting on it. Voting is extremely important. In, on the level of, um, I think, you know, everybody thinks that the national elections are so important and they are, but your local elections are far more important and have a higher effect on your life um, to a great degree as well. So um, it's vitally important that you know what's going on in your school system, you know what's going on in your community outside of that. You need to know who your sheriff is or your, um, who's the chief of police, um, who your commissioners are, who make the rules and decide what goes on in your city or, or your county. It's vitally important that you, um, the judges that are going to be ruling over whether somebody is found guilty or not of a crime and then the punishment they receive, you need to make sure that that person is not, um, that aligns themselves with what you believe um, because ultimately that affects where you live. So um, I think that no one should sit back no matter what age they are or whatever, you know, if if it ultimately is going to influence you in some way, ultimately at some point it will. So I applaud you and I think it's honorable what you're wanting to do. But at the same time, I would say this Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Only know, you know if you can handle what you're going to see and what you're going to hear. Okay. Um, if it's a male, if this is a male person, and I think, 
I don't know. I don't know what the email said. Um, but um, if it, if you are a male and you're going to be looking at pornographic information or anything, do not do it. You have no business doing it or opening yourself up to that, reading it or even looking at it. Um, I I was telling my husband about this question, and he said absolutely positively, a man should never even watch this stuff. The what it can do to the heart and mind for a guy is something that should never be seen. Um, I know I have family who were in law enforcement, um, and one of the things that they had to deal with is um, they had to look at. And, and actually, I have a personal, good personal friend who had to look at pornographic, uh, child pornographic um, things on computers so that they could, could send people away for it. And it's things that they said they can't even get out of their mind anymore. The, just the awfulness of what they viewed and what they experienced. It said they changed them forever. So a guy, I mean, it's terrible um, child porno pornography and um, these sex crimes against children are just off the charts and it's so rampant so um, I would say if this is a male totally get yourself out of it it's not something that you should be looking at or be involved in um, in that respect um, if you're newly saved or just recommitted your life, I would say be very careful. It depends on what, how new you are, right? Because in First Timothy three six, um, that a novice that a novice shouldn't be preaching, teaching anything. It says not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So what happens is um, sometimes when you like, uh, it's very careful. It, we're told to be very careful about um, putting people into positions too quickly when they're newly saved or recommitted their lives or even if they're young to a certain extent and the reason is is because can they handle it in a mature way but also puffed up means pride a lot of times um things can go to your head and pride comes before uh, pride comes before destruction right so you don't want to put somebody in a position that ultimately puts them farther away than they were when they finally get when they were saved so if you're newly saved and then you get put in a place a position that can make you puffed up then what happens is you will fall but you'll fall far farther than what you were when you initially got saved we don't want that to happen either so if you're it sounds like you rededicated your life how long ago was that how spiritually strong are you how much of the word do you actually know um, um, how much time do you spend in the word now are you going to spend more time looking at these books and studying them and reading them than you are in the word good teachings things like that okay, there has to be a balance and the balance is more of word um, bible things like that <clears throat> less of the world and what it's what you're trying to save the world from ultimately only god can do that and um so we can do our part but as long as it has balance that you're doing more of the spiritual aspect of things and less of the worlds okay and let's just remember bottom line it is the it is we all play a part and we are all are responsible okay but ultimately it is the parents responsibility 
to know what books their children are bringing home and what they're reading. And like you can't take the place of that. And um, so that even has a balance to it because a lot of times parents don't know what their kids are doing in the schools and um, they don't really care. To be honest with you, um, they say that kids in elementary school, the parents of children in elementary school, when they do these, um, you know, like the when schools first opens, they have these open houses. And when kids are in elementary school, all the parents are there. They just all attend. The, uh, when they go to junior high, open house is much smaller, fewer parents, which is really when they need more of their parents um, because junior high is, is, is like, a very pivotal time for teenagers that is that that age group is just all they want to do is be around their friends they make really bad decisions because they just want to fit in and be liked and then when you hit in high school it's even less pe parents that go to open houses less people who show up um, because there's just less of um, of caring or influence right so um, I think I think that we can't take the parent place of parents and their roles. Theirs is way more, but we still should be doing our part. So I applaud your willingness to get in there and help, um, but don't put yourself in harm's way because your soul is far more important. Get it, get it where it's got you know it's solidified. And then maybe you step into these things if you're not already there and start helping out with this stuff. Um, but make sure first and foremost, spiritually speaking, you're strong enough to handle it. And then once you, if you're not, once you are, then go for it. If you are, more wor word, spirit uh, time with, you know, spending time with the Holy Spirit, more word, more teaching. And then you add in the reading of the books or looking at the different things that uh, the school system is putting out there. So, all right, next question. Is using birth control a sin? No. No, it's not. Um, unless you believe that like abortion is a form of birth control. And if that's the case, then yes, because that's murder. So normal birth control, there's nothing in the Bible that says anything about that you can't use birth control. Um, now, with abortion, there's call it's called abortifacient. Abortifacient, I think, is the proper. Um, I, I I had to listen to how they said it because it spelled so funky. Um, and it was abortifacient is the is the term used, and that is still a form of birth control. That is um, like the morning after pill. Anything that doesn't allow the, um, anything that doesn't allow once the, uh, the sperm and the egg connect, and then like uh, the birth, uh, uh, the afterbirth pill or whatever, or the morning after pill, pill what that does is um, it doesn't allow the, the egg that's been fertilized to attach to a wall. So that's, that's like a form of abortion. Now, like the, like um, if you use something like a diaphragm or something like that, that just collects 
that's not an egg that's been fertilized or anything. So it just doesn't allow anything to be fertilized, okay? Then there's like um, birth control pills. Birth control pills don't allow an egg to ever become into an existence. To, to, from what I've been told, um, birth control pills don't allow an egg to really come about. So there's no um, attaching itself to the uterine line. So um, let's see, there's uh, other things like tracking your cycle. And there's even more things that I'm not going to talk about that can, you can do to make sure you don't get pregnant um, that are more natural. But birth control outside of anything that is killing a fertilized egg, um, you're fine. Because um, it doesn't say in the, in the Bible that you can't. It doesn't even say anything in the Bible that you have to have kids. Uh, there's nothing mandating it. Psalm 127.3 says children are a gift from God. They are reward from him. But you don't have to take the reward. You don't have to, like, there's like there's things throughout the Bible that are promises that people don't take from God. They don't, they don't read them. They don't receive them. They're like a gift underneath the tree. Okay, children are one of them, all right? But you might say, well, they're not really that to me. I don't want a kid. Um, well, they're not a reward to you then. God says they're a reward, but you don't feel like that. So maybe you don't want one, and you don't have to have a child. Psalm 127.5 says, Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall, um, shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their um, enemies in the gate. Again, that doesn't say that you have to have children. Listen, I looked this up. I looked in the Word. There is absolutely nothing that says that God wants you or mandates you to have children. The only place that I could see was when uh, in Genesis 1.28, when God told Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply, okay? But he told Adam and Eve that. He didn't tell us that, right? Nothing in the New Testament or anything that I could find at all. Some people want kids, some don't. Um, some people think it's selfish not to have them. And I say, well, who are you to say that? Um, and there's nothing. I think it's smart when people, I think it's actually smart for people who don't want children not to have them. Like, I have a, a sibling, and um, my sister, my sister, um, I, um, there's four of us. I have an older sister, a, a, then there's me, then there's my brother, and then there's my baby sister. Well, my older sister decided she never wanted to have kids, or she was very career-minded. Actually, uh, we tease her, and my mom and teases her, too, because, like, uh, she's three years older than me. So when I was growing up, when my mom went back to work, which we were older when she went back to work, but um, I think it was a fourth grade when she did, uh, my sister was responsible for all of us. She got home first, because obviously she's older, and then we all came home, and she made sure we did our school. Like, she just was like our mom until my mom came home. She's always been super responsible very very loving and nurturing like a mother um she and my mom used to call us the three little kids i mean come on she's only three years older than me but she was that mature so she never wanted kids like she helped raise us so she got her fill not that she was resentful of it but she just never did and i remember talking to her about it and she's like people think i'm selfish for not wanting to have kids and i'm like because she wanted to go and travel, which she has. She's traveled. Um, she has animals that she loves. They fulfill her need for nurturing. Uh, she's very successful in her career. 
And I thought to myself, how selfish would it be? And I told her this, how selfish would it be for you to have children? It's not what you want. You want different things. To add a child into that and then maybe resent the child for taking up your time so that you can't have, you know, you can't travel or you can't focus on your career or whatever. How selfish would that have been otherwise? Just to satisfy the world who thinks you need one. Um, No, it's far better that if you don't want to have kids, to not have them. There are plenty of people out there in this world who can have children who have no business doing it, and they're popping out one puppy after another. They don't take care of them. And then you have amazing people who um, can't have children, who would be phenomenal parents. Um, It's just, it just seems so crazy, but... um, It'd be nice if it was flipped the other way and the ones that are horrible parents couldn't have them, but that's not the way it works. So I say um, use birth control until you're ready to have a child. Then go back on that stuff until you're postmenopause and you can't have any more. We were just having this conversation, ladies, weren't we? Before the, the, um, they didn't even know what we were going to be talking about. I'm postmenopause people. And there's women in this room right now who are like, Dag, you're so lucky. You're right. I am. They're done having kids. They don't want any more kids, right? So they're envious of me. They should be. Okay. Beach or mountains? Next question. Beach or mountains? Which place would you rather vacation? Well, I like this question because it's about me. Of course. I actually, I, I, live in the, I live at the beach, right? I, I was born in Sarasota, Florida. I grew up here until I was 10. But I lived in different places. So um, I was born in Sarasota. Then we moved to Fort Myers. Then we moved to Polk County. And then I moved, um, I moved up to Virginia. Um, in the DC area then I uh, moved back down here when I was like 24 years old Um, I've been at the beach for a really long time I don't go I was just telling somebody um, in Georgia I probably been to the beach I don't know not very much hardly at all nobody that lives here that's like been born here or has lived here a long time we don't go to the beach it's it's a pain in the butt. People are whispering, it's true. It's true. It's true. We don't. Um, all the people that moved down here um, from northern states that have lived a life of freezing, they go to the beach in the wintertime, and then they jump in the water, and we think they're cuckoo. Okay? Because they are. It's flipping freezing. But to them, it's like nothing. It's their blood. Until you've been here for about two or three years, and you moved down here from up north, for about two or three years, your body is still like used to the north. And then after that, you get a, you know, your whole blood thing, the blood, your blood changes and you're freezing at 70 degrees. We all got sweatshirts on. It's cold. It's real cold. So we don't go to the beach. I don't go to the beach hardly at ever, hardly ever at all. Now, when I lived in the uh, D.C. area, um, we used to go and take Sunday drives. My dad was great about this. Um, We would take Sunday drives to the mountains after church on Sunday. So we'd go up to the Shenandoah Mountains, go through, you know, take the winding roads, the parkway, and just enjoy the afternoon. 
I think it was away because we all fell asleep in the car. It's a white way for my dad to have a quiet afternoon. <laughs> when you got four kids, it's loud. <laughs> He'd get us ice cream. We'd all shut up for a while. It's a great thing. Like, it was a nice break. So, I'm a city girl, I would say. But I got some redneck tendencies in me. Like, like I'm just telling you, if I had to, like, um, if I had to... Uh, if it's between me and Tom having to make sure we eat, I'd be the one going out and killing the animal. Which I have no problem doing. I've done it before. So, like, listen, I've slaughtered me some chickens. My son's cooked some squirrel up in my, uh, in my uh, iron skillet. Like, we don't care. Like, it's not a big thing. Now, Tom, on the other hand, he can't kill anything. Like, he is the softy, softy, softy. He's a hypocrite. He says all the time, he is such a meat eater, but he could never kill it. Me and Tommy, not a problem. Not a problem. My daughter even can go out there. She can take care of business. She was out there with me and Heather and Heather's husband when we were slaughtering our chickens in, our, in my yard. She was out there just, like, cutting. Wasn't Norma's job to cut them up? No, you, de no, Heather. You didn't cut them up. Heather degutted them. <laughs> Heather's job was far worse. She was pulling everything out. Didn't she, she? Oh, she did pluck. She plucked with me. But didn't she? Oh, she had to go in and clean after you cut them up. Okay, so Norma's job was after the butcher, which is Heather, took care of business. She then, me and Travis, here's how it went. We had a... We had a, um, I'm going down a wormhole, or a squirrel. We had our, what do you call it? Assembly. I think it had assembly line. Okay, we had a system. So I went in, I took the chickens out. I hung them upside down. Me or Travis, mostly Travis, slit their necks to drain them. After that, I took them to the boiling pot so I could pluck them. I plucked them. Then what did Travis do after that? Travis was the next in line after he killed them all I yes for the most part but what was his job after that because he did something else I don't know oh yeah he had to cut their yeah he had to cut certain things off then Heather got them she gutted them she put them she processed them then Norma went in cleaned them and packed them for us in our in our in our uh, packaging yep there we go and we have pictures in case you think I'm lying I got pictures it was a sight that's all I can tell you Tom came out to go walking the dog he couldn't even look in our direction it's like I can't I can't so me and Tommy and Norma we'd be out there hunting which I'm not opposed to somebody asked Tommy to go hunting and I was like can I go <laughs> this was like I don't know a year ago I'm ready the Abbots, if you're watching this, the Abbots go hunting all the time. I'm your girl. Huh? Call us up. That's right. Me and Heather will be there lickety split. I don't like pig, though. So if you could just have us kill something else other than pig. I'm not a big pork eater, so. But I'll do deer. I got some venison from our Tennessee people. But I won't name them because I don't want people to bother them. Oh, you want Heather wants to go with Megalis and Adalis to kill. 
they she said that you guys would be fun unless Magalis brings brings her snacks again and decides to open up her velcro uh, p- uh little pouch then that ain't gonna work mm-hmm she learned her lesson because she ended up killing a, a deer. But um, but I'm up for the Abbots. But um, the uh, there's some people that attend our church that are some great people. They gave us some venison. What else do they give us? I haven't eaten it yet. I don't know. It's something else. But Oh, fish. Oh, wait. I, I'm going to be pulling that out. Um, so enough about that. So I say mountains. Me and Tom want to get a place in Tennessee not to live, just to go during the holidays. Get a break. It doesn't have to be Tennessee. It could be Alabama. My brother lives in Alabama. I'd love to be near him. So, okay. Next question. I attended Foundation Church a few times in 2014. My question is, and I mean this wholeheartedly and seriously. I don't mean if she meant sincerely, but it says seriously. How does one determine and preach about what's right and what's wrong without traditional theological and biblical seminary training and doctrine okay um so what does the bible say about someone that god's called to be a pastor and regarding going to seminary or biblical um college um i don't know if this person knows too much about what's being pumped out of seminaries and uh bible schools right now but it's not good at all it's actually a lot of doctrinal um uh, well, untruths. <laughs> Somebody said garbage. <laughs> That's true. It's actually not very good what's going on um, in seminaries. And um, I mean, there are the the um, Baptist faith um, pumps out pastors who believe that um, the Calvinists, which is John Calvin, that you can't learn, that uh, you can't lose your salvation. Um, that's not in the Bible anywhere. Then there's the Methodist faith that are popping out. Um, and I'm not busting. I'm not busting on these. I'm just saying these are things that, if you if you're if you're Baptist and you're Calvinist, uh, there's a that that's not in the Bible. But there's a lot of Baptists who are going to heaven. So you can have biblical theologies that are um, different. Um, but that doesn't mean they're accurate. Okay, um, ba- the Methodists are pumping out people that uh, pumping out pastors that are gay. They're putting them in the pulpit. They went to se- their seminary. I mean, doesn't make it th- just because you go to seminary and theological, the- you know, theological school, does not mean that you're fit to be in the pulpit at all. Um, let's look at what the Bible does say about um, about who he's called. Okay, because there's nothing. At, at all in the Bible that mandates that you have to go to seminary or that you have to go to uh, Bible school. And I will say this, it does talk about, um, like the question here is, um, how does one determine and preach about what's right and what's wrong without traditional theological and biblical seminary training and doctrine? Well, I would ask the person that wrote this, do you t- talk about like, do you win people to the Lord? I hope so. I hope you're winning people to the Lord. So how do you do it? How do you tell them what the Word of God says? How did you decipher what's wrong and what's right? You didn't go. 
were all to be disciples. The disciples were with Jesus with, for three years. They walked with him, okay? Um, Jesus did not go to seminary. He did not go to um, a uh, Bible school, okay? He, he went in and he learned and he read the Torah himself. He memorized the Bible himself, um, which is what my husband has done. My husband has thousands and thousands of Bible scriptures memorized, just like Paul. Um, he uses the word of God when he preaches and teaches, which we're going to look at what the, what the churches today use. Um, but how do you do it? You didn't go to seminary or theological school probably, right? But you're to go out there when the lost, you're supposed to disciple believers. That's not just the pap, uh, pastor. So how do you do it? How do you decipher what's right and what's wrong. I can probably tell you how you do it, okay? You, you, you would use verse, uh, chapter, uh, you would use 1 John um, chapter 2, 27. Verse 20 says this, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you, you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has been taught to you, you will abide in him. So it just says right there that you don't need anyone to teach you. If you're in the Word and you're studying the Word, which is what it says instead of just reading the Word, you really don't need to go to seminary. You don't really need to go to Bible school. Okay, You should have someone you're accountable to. Like my husband's accountable to somebody. He's been accountable pretty much since um, we started in ministry. We were um, accountable to someone to the level and degree that we were accountable to them has changed, but um, we've always had someone that if we had a question or if we were wondering if something was right or something was wrong, we always had somebody that we could go to. Um, if we had a question about what something maybe the Bible was talking about, we've had people that we could go and get counsel on. But listen, for the most part, you can study the Word. It is not hard. It's very simple to understand what's right and what's wrong. It clearly says what's right and what's wrong in it, okay? So you don't need someone to, to do that for you, but what you need is accountability. Hebrews 13, uh, 13, 20 through 21 um, talks about how God equips those who he calls. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to his will working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. So he equips who he calls. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And it didn't say that God sends you to seminary or Bible school to equip you because he's called you. It says he equips you who he calls. He can teach you. He's the one. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles. So he is the one who's done this. God is the one who has called some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping, he equips you, of the saints for the work of ministry. The scripture um, above that scripture doesn't say that the apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers have to go to seminary or Bible school, but that just that he calls them. Okay. Um, should anyone preach? No. 
They shouldn't preach unless they're called to preach. But we have a lot of men in the pulpit that it's either that their daddy did it, their grandpa did it. It's it's generational. We've we're a, a family full of preachers. Okay, just because your daddy did it and your grandpa did it doesn't mean that you should do it. You only do it if you're called. There's a reason why most pastors don't make it up to the seventh year of ministry. They're quitting within three to five years. It's because God never called them. And if he did call them, then they weren't equipped. They didn't spend the time in the word. They didn't spend time in study. They may have gone to school. And I, I mean, I have family who went to school. I have a, a, two different family members that have been in min ministry. And one of them says it doesn't really teach you what you deal with um, at a church or anything like that. It's not what it was about. Not that they're bitter or angry about it. They're not. They were just basically saying, it doesn't teach you anything for what you're going to experience when you have to preach or teach or anything like that. And they went to a really good school. Um, or supposedly, I should say, a really good school. Because um, I have a story about that school. And that school that they went to, they had a, a professor there that literally told the, the students, and I heard him myself because he came to a local church here in the area many years ago and he basically taught that he was their um he was their professor that taught taught about end times um so he he taught us um at the church what he taught in the classroom and he basically he said word for word that you could take the mark of the beast and still go to heaven that was just for economic reasons that you would take it but you still go to heaven so, and this is an Assemblies of God school. So, I mean, for me, not good. I mean, I think you can read the Bible, get far better knowledge about that's, that was not truth, right? You're teaching a lot of people or a lot of students that lie when if they would have read the word, the word says opposite of that. And that's why we go to the Word, and the Word doesn't say you need to go to seminary or theological school, okay? Um, doesn't tell you anyone uh, that anyone should preach. It's just who's called, and you need to study the Word and know it, not read it. You need to study it if you're going to be a pastor. For, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. It's funny it says it didn't say you need to go to seminary or bible school and in, in order to understand the word of truth it said you need to study to show yourself approved okay let me tell you some pastors that are pretty popular that never went to school or if they did they quit charles spurgeon joel osteen everybody loves joel osteen they think he's great they buy all his books think he's the best thing since sliced bread he only went to school for, I think, well, he went to school very, for, I think it was six months or something like that, and then his da dad passed away from a heart attack. And he actually was doing his dad's uh, TV ministry, too. He quit, and he became the pastor of their church. Joyce Meyer. Everybody loves Joyce Meyer. I love, I love Joyce Meyer. Uh, never went to school. She actually never went to school, and she, got, she would get really mad because people would say, you've never been to seminary. You've never been to a Bible school. 
You're like, what gives you the right to preach? Well, she was doing far better than most pastors in the pulpit and what she was teaching. She has since um, been, uh, let's see, what is it? An honorary doctorate. She's been given an honorary doctorate by um, several schools, um, Bible schools. And I think she ended up getting her theological degree somewhere. But but when she started for, I, I think it was like her first 10 years or whatever, she had nothing. Andrew Womack, huge teacher, um, has done far more than most teachers I've ever seen in uh, as far as teaching people about what the Word of God teaches, healing the sick. There are people who are alive today because this man who has no formal education taught them what the Word of God taught, uh, taught him, and now he shares it with many people. Martin Luther, hmm, that's interesting, right? Never went to school. They didn't, um, none of those people, except for the ones that I told you, ended up getting their stuff. Some of them have honorary doctorates now, but not a, but the ones that I told you, unless I told you they have a theological, they, they didn't. Um, so really at the end of the day, who does this really, who's the one that really having a formal education, who does it really matter to the most? It matters to man not to God. Only man really cares about whether you have a the theological degree or seminary or Bible school. Um, but I, like I said, th those same places teach false doc doctrine. Um, there's churches with the gay agenda right now. The Methodists allow gay, um, gays into the pulpit. That, that Their seminary is, is pumping those out. Andy Stanley with the Baptist faith he went to seminary, and right now, he, and I think it's this summer, he's going to have um, a conference for parents with transgender children. And he just said, uh, I just watched it where he put out there that, um, which is very disheartening, that um, the homosexual has better faith in God than the heterosexual, something along those lines. It was astounding. The Episcopal Church allows gay pastors they have to go to seminary. So what is their seminary teaching them? Frightening. These are not God's rules. These are man's rules. If he would have, uh, if he would have mandated that people go to school in order to be able to preach in the pulpit, it would have absolutely been in the Bible. It's not. They're not, pastors aren't preaching what, uh, the, the, so this is what I find very, very interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna have it so you can actually see this, but um, it is no longer. Um, I only know. I don't really know any pastors that do this. I only know like maybe a handful that actually preach what the Holy Spirit gives them for the week. Like my husband, when he um, steps on in that pulpit, it's what the Holy Spirit gave him for our congregation for the week. And that's what he preaches and teaches on. And then the Holy Spirit, while he's up there, will give him things to say. And then he preaches on that. Um, and what's going on in churches today is not that. You don't need to go to seminary or theological school to get what the pastors are preaching today. It's called sermons.com. Pull it up. We're going to do a little bit for you right now. If you go to sermons.com, you're going to see that you can buy their props, their graphics, 
and even sermons. I'm going to give you some sermon names. And they're really great because they always like twist the names of things and make it catchy. But these aren't like that right now. There's one that's coming up because the reason for reconciliation is real popular right now. What you can do is you can buy it right now and then you'll the pastor will memorize it or he'll use his iPad or whatever and he'll preach the message. Um, but he's pulled that message. It's the series name is Reason for Reconciliation. And then it's broken down. If you go into Reason for Reconciliation, it's broken down into all these different other little sermon sermonettes, okay? So you'll have like eight weeks. These pastors are pulling out like they'll sit down the year before and they'll say this is what we're going to preach for the whole year if they need to do some building updates then they're going to pull out um messages that talk about giving or teach you about they, they have a process of how to get to wherever they need to get by the end of the year if they need volunteers then they have a sermon series so that by the time that sermon series is over they have volunteers okay that's not Holy, convic Holy Spirit conviction, okay? That's manipulation. So another one is response, the word response, and then a separate word, ability. Response, ability. The God-given increase, remember the rooster, toward Easter and beyond. If you're buying these messages, What's the point in going to the, uh, theologic, getting a theological degree? What's the point in going to Bible school or seminary? I mean, anybody can do that. What's really hard is digging into the Word each and every single week, studying it out, listening to the Holy Spirit as you pray daily for God to give you the message that He wants for your congregation. That is not what's going on in these churches today, and it's a shame because we are doing a major disservice to our congregation. But the, here's the thing. If you really preached what the Holy Spirit wanted to be taught to the congregation, then the word is an offense. Jesus was an offense. And all these messages are a whole bunch of tickling, tickling the ears, which it talks about in the Bible that in the end, in times, that preachers will no longer preach the word, but they'll only tickle the ears of the people who are attending. It fills the, fills the pews. And it fills the uh, tithe basket. And it makes the pastor feel like he's really popular and he's really doing something when really he's about nothing. Okay? If you're, all you're doing is, is uh, building a community social club where no one is really saved, but they come there, they hang out, there's no conviction um, because there's no real scripture. Like most churches, they don't have a lot of scripture that they use in their um, teachings. It's a whole lot of repetitive like uh, themes. Like what is it when somebody um, says the same sentence over and over again? It's repetitive, but it's like they have a, they have a mantra. They have a mantra that they just have to keep repeating. Um, and in some of these churches, what they've done is they've trained certain people in the congregation to stand up and clap and create a, a, a momentum or, or a great, uh, what is that thing, what is that call when people like, they start clapping for their, whoever's talking and I can't remember, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but all it does is it creates a hype in the room, like a feel good moment, like, and then everybody's standing, what did the guy really say? Like, 
really was it worthy of standing up and clapping or is, is that what everybody's doing so you just go ahead and do it um it's very it's people really need to check out what's going on in churches today they really need to check out where their pastor's getting his information and then they really need to decipher and sit down and read that message or go back and listen to that message and go how much of the word of god is in this message how much of this is really um, something that convicts my spirit and challenges and changes me so that I have a better walk with him. Most of the time, it's got none of that. It's mostly about growing a church with a growth track, which is what all of this is. They got a growth track. They got a lot of connect groups, all of the same terminology. If you go into church and they're all using the same t- terminology, it's because they're all using and buying the same material. That's just a fact. I'm sure that's not what people want to hear. But that's the truth. And I'm not, like I said, I will always speak truth. I'm not going to tell people what they want to hear. But I'm also going to expose the lies of the enemy. And I'm also going to expose uh, bad churches and what they're doing. I'm not, I'm not going to sit back. I mean, the reason why people put on masks and COVID caved is because of the teaching, the weak teaching that is being done in the churches today. And these pastors are going to answer for it as well as the congregation that didn't study their word on their own on a a daily basis to know better, okay? So everybody plays a part to what degree is is up to them. So, okay, we are down to our last three minutes. So what I'm going to do is close out with um, salvation. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Really, you can ask a thousand questions. You may want to be, maybe be one of these people that has to know like the answers to everything. Like you have so many questions that you just have to know the answers because you're such an inquisitive person. But what's the point of being inquisitive if you're not going to go to heaven? If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior? There's no point. And a lot of times... Um, God will reveal the questions that you have just by the Holy Spirit. So if you do not have a walk with him, or if you have had a walk with him and you've walked away, I want to give you the opportunity to come back to him. Because I did walk away, and I know what it's like to not live with him. And it is miserable. But coming back and being in the fold, there's nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. You're... uh, the world will look totally different and it will be so much I mean the scripture is true taste and see that the Lord is good there's nothing better there's nothing that tastes better there's nothing better the world looks so much brighter when he is the one you're walking with and he's number one in your life so I offer this opportunity to, to you if you don't know him or you want to rededicate your life to him say this prayer with me right now Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you um, to come into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask, Lord, that when I die, I would go and reign with you forever. And I thank you that you died on the cross so that I have this opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So I will tell you this. um, I thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in each and every single um, week with me, two times a week. It means the world to me. I've had some great 
conversation, some great comments from people who are watching. It brightens my day. It makes me happy. And here, and I say this all the time, but what's the point in having a podcast if nobody's watching? Like, there's no point. So you guys tuning in, looking at it, listening. Um, even maybe one question doesn't apply, so you scoot to, to where the, the question that you really want to hear is at, and then you just tap out after that. I don't care. I just care that you're watching. I care that you're you're tuning in and that you trust me enough to maybe send me a question to hear what my thoughts are about it. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you, and I look forward to seeing you again, and have a great rest of your afternoon. Bye-bye. Real talk.